Welcome to Millennial Movie Minute. Yay! I'm your host, Blake. And I'm Christian. And this is will be our first episode, um, official episode in the bracket format. Yeah, so this time around we are doing Disney Pixar movies. Uh, and today we have Up versus The Incredibles 2. So sad. Yeah. yeah. We're a few days late. But that's okay because, you know, adult life. Yeah, so let me just lay out the bracket for you guys really fast. Um, We've got Toy Story, the original, versus Ratatouille. Toy Story 2 versus WALL-E. Finding Nemo versus Monsters, Inc. Toy Story 3 versus Finding Dory. Inside Out versus A Bug's Life. The Incredibles versus Brave, Coco versus Monsters University, and the one we're doing today, Up versus The Incredibles 2. So let's get right into it. All right, so you took the notes on Up, so uh, kind of get us started on the um, the recap for that. All right, let me just pull up my note, my noty notes here. Uh, first, let me just give you guys some specs about Up. It uh, has a 98% Rotten Tomatoes rating, which is which is good. Yeah, I never understood that mechanic. Like, Rotten Tomatoes, like, the more Rotten Tomatoes you get, the better. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should be like, <laughs> I don't know. It was released on May 29th of 2009 and grossed $735.1 million in the box office. Wow. Well, you say wow, but... Um, just just wait till we get to Finding Dory. Oh, yeah. That was actually one of the lowest grossing um, It was one of the lowest grossing movies on here. I don't know why that's not working properly, but um The Good Dinosaur being the lowest grossing movie that we watched. Hmm. Um okay. Well, I guess I guess it's like right in the middle. Hmm. Average um, for Disney Pixar. Yeah. Okay, so to recap the movie, and just in case you haven't seen it, spoilers abound because we're going to be telling you exactly what happens through the entire movie. Yeah, and if you haven't seen Up, then um, yeah, it's really sad and it made us cry a lot. Yeah, it did. Uh, so it starts out with um, a Spirit of Adventure documentary, which is about explorer. Explorer, I can speak, I promise. Charles Muntz. Um, he went to South America to Paradise Falls to find rare and exotic creatures. Um, little Carl is watching this. He's probably like seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. He's super, like, he's a super fan. Um, Charles. Goes to South America in this documentary. Goes to Paradise Falls. He finds this huge bird. He brings back the skeleton. But scientists think he fabricated it. So he gets disbanded. Or his membership gets revoked from the Adventurers Club, I think. I don't know. I um. So he vows that he's going to go back. He's going to bring it back alive. Uh, he's in like his 20s. Well... 20s, yeah, he's, 30s. He's young. Yeah. So, um, 
he goes his his catchphrase is adventure is out there then we see little carl after the after the theater he's pretending to be charles munts he's pretending like he's flying the spirit of adventure charles's blimp yeah um, but it's a balloon instead yeah he's carrying his little balloon around it's adorable mm-hmm. and he goes into this abandoned house where he like he hears another kid pretending to fly the blimp um and it's little ellie uh and he's like afraid of her at first but she doesn't let that deter her she decides that they're friends they make a club together his balloon flew up through like a broken part of this house because this house is dilapidated Lapidated, that's how you say that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, his balloon flies up, and she's like, hey, I saw where your balloon went. And they go up to the attic where there's this one board crossing over this huge <laughs> hole in the attic. And he's got to cross the board to get to the hole. And he's notably afraid. But she pushes him to do it, and halfway through, the board breaks and he falls. He, like, breaks his leg. Yeah, it's like something you totally don't see coming. He's yeah. like No, he breaks know. his arm, my bad. Yeah. He he well he's crossing it and like normally in these types of situations and movies and stuff, you get pushed across and then he gets across and you know, he's fine. And nothing yeah. happens. But he just falls and breaks his arm like yeah. right off the bat. <laughs> so uh, you know, he's like laying in bed with his broken arm and she shows up out of nowhere, like basically breaks into his room. Um, and she shows him her adventure book, all the adventures that she wants to have in her life. And her main thing is that she wants to go to South America, like Charles Muntz. She wants to live beside Paradise Falls. Um, so then we see they get married. You know, it's obviously a few years in the future. Um, Starts going super quick after that. Yeah, so they've spent their whole childhood together. We didn't get to see it all. Um, but little little Carl is smitten with Ellie. Then they get married, um, and he buys the house that was her clubhouse, where she had, like, pretended it was the blimp. And they fix it up, and they live in it together. That's their house. Uh, it shows them fixing up the house. It shows um, they're, like, cloud-watching one day, and Carl says, that that one looks like a baby. He doesn't say it. It's not audible, but you can tell us what he says. And she she's like very enthusiastic all the clouds turn to babies so they start like preparing one of the rooms for a nursery and the next thing you see is them in a doctor's office presumably a fertility doctor because there's like a picture of a baby on the wall mm-hmm. but I it also it could have been an obg it could have been an obgyn um so either she had a miscarriage or she can't have kids because she's crying yeah uh, and then she just kind of retreats for a minute. She's sitting in the backyard, just like letting the wind flow through her hair. She is notably depressed. And that is the moment in the movie where I just started sobbing. Yeah. Um. So they paint over where they had painted a stork carrying a baby in what was going to be the nursery. They painted over that with the house in or sitting on top of paradise falls they decided to start saving up for paradise falls but 
adult life happens, expenses come along, and they keep having to break into their savings. They get a flat tire, or they get this and that. and Then, um, Carl, finally, you know, they're working at this zoo together. They're spending their lives together. They're happy. And now they're, they're senior citizens. They're probably in their 60s, early 70s. Um, and Carl decides... He's not going to wait any longer. He goes to a travel agent. He buys two tickets to Paradise Falls. He's going to take Ellie. He's got this picnic for her. It's underneath this tree on the top of this hill. And he's going to take her and give her the tickets. And uh, she gets sick. She can't make it up the hill. She goes into the hospital. Um, and she dies. It's the worst. Yeah. Then we see uh, Carl in his house one morning. He's alone, which is super, super depressing. Um, and everything around the house is being bulldozed. Um, and they mentioned that, you know, the whatever company is bulldozing it, they want to buy his house and like they'll triple their offer now. And Carl's like, no, go away. Yeah. He grabs the the meg like the megaphone from the uh, from the construction worker. He's like, <laughs> he, he tells the main the manager guy, he's like, "Hey, you with the suit, take a bath, hippie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Carl's very adamant he's not leaving. Day goes by. The next day, Russell, this little boy who's probably about seven or eight shows up and uh he wants to help carl because he needs one more badge assisting the elderly he is a some kind of scout i don't remember a wilderness a wilderness scout yeah something like that yeah so he needs one more badge patch um he a wilderness explorer he needs this patch to become a senior wilderness explorer um so carl's like you know what i do need help there's a snipe who comes in and he eats my rutabagas or something. I don't remember. Right. Um, all you have to do to draw him out is to clap three times. And if you've ever had an uncle, had any sort of uncle, you know what snipes are. Yeah, they're imaginary. Right. Um, well, I think they're actually, they actually are a bird, but you don't catch them with a net or something. They're just like a super tiny bird. Uh, yeah, they are birds. They are super tiny birds. Yeah. Is any of about 26 wading bird species in three genera in the family Scolopacidae? Pacidae? Hmm. Anyway, so snipes are real. My bad. <laughs> I always thought they were made up. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it's just like made up how you catch them. Like, it's always, you have to do something silly to draw them in. Like, maybe yeah. hold a bag open. That's why I thought that they were made up. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm not an ornithologist. I think that's what they're called. People who study birds. Hmm. So, anyway. Learning new things. Um, so, Russell goes off on his snipe hunt. And this dude in a bulldozer accidentally hits the mailbox. Which is like one of Carl's most prized possessions. It's got Ellie's handprint on it and his handprint. He accidentally hits the mailbox and uh, 
almost destroys it. Carl, like he, the guy's really apologetic. He, um, he's saying, you know, let me fix that. Carl pulls it out of his hand. He doesn't want him to touch it. He hits him over the head with his walking stick, his cane or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy starts bleeding. So Which, they call the cops on him. I think that's the first display of blood in a, in a Disney movie. You're probably right. I think that's the only time they've uh, they've had blood. Okay, so they call the cops. The cops pick up Carl. They go through the whole process. They drop him back off. Apparently, he was arrested for being a public nuisance or a public menace, mm-hmm. something like that. So they basically force him into going to Shady Oaks, this retirement home that he has not wanted to go to. It's been very clear about not wanting to go. But now he has no choice. So he gets his suitcase, he's going to pack up, and whenever he goes to get his suitcase, he finds Ellie's book. He looks through it, and you can tell he, like, makes a decision. So it comes to the next morning, the guys from Shady Oaks show up, he hands them the suitcase, and he's like, I'll meet you at, at the bus. Yeah, they're also super patronizing, like, hello, Mr. Carl, how are you today? <laughs> he's still a human being, yeah, but I guess people do that to old people. All the time. So. Yeah. Okay, so he says he wants to say goodbye to the old place, and he closes the door, and they're like, yeah, he's probably pooping for the tenth time today. <laughs> like, okay, rude. You guys should not be CNAs. <laughs> um, but once he closes the door, they can see that the roof is opening, and millions of balloons full of helium. It's hilarious. Like, how they didn't notice all the helium tanks in the front yard, I don't no, but this is what they were for. Mil- millions of helium balloons come out of the roof, lift the house off the foundation. Carl is flying away. Um, he gets out his compass. He's going south. He's going to go to South America, and then he hears a knock on the door. He's in the air. Yeah, he's like thousands of feet in the air. He's over buildings. Like, he's high enough that he's not hitting buildings anymore. So, he hears a knock at the door. And he kind of like, he's kind of curious, but then there's nothing else, so he just... Well, he dismisses it because he thinks yeah. it's like, just he's just hearing things. Yeah. Then he hears another knock at the door, and he goes to the door. He opens the door. There's nobody there. And he like, pokes his head out on the porch. And he looks around, and there is Russell. <laughs> the little boy. Up against the wall. He's very scared. He's He tells him that he found the snipe. He chased it under the porch. But it looked more like a a cat or a raccoon or something. Um, yeah, he, he described another animal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he, he asks if he can come in because he's very scared. And Carl says no and slams the door. <laughs> and then uh, he has a change of heart. He opens the door. He lets Russell in. Um. So Russell comes in. He's being a talkative kid, like normal. Carl turns off his hearing aid because he doesn't want to hear it. Russell is in the background at this point trying to warn him that they're flying into a storm. He's not warned until they're so close that the thunder shook the house. Mm -hmm. Then he turns around. He blames it on Russell. He's like, what did you do? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But... But it turns out it's just the storm. Carl tries to steer them out of the storm, but 
the winds pulling back in they fly straight through this storm and it really shakes up the house you know things are flying all around sliding all about at one point russell gets knocked over the door swings open and he almost flies out the door or slides out the door Uh, but luckily the door shuts right in time so then carl's waking up in the next scene it's sunny out and everything and he wonders how they got out of it and where they are russell explains that they're at paradise falls because he used his gps that his dad got him to steer them to paradise falls um he tries to show carl the gps and he inadvertently throws it out the window <laughs> so, oh, great yeah um so carl looks out the window but they're at the wrong end of paradise falls they need to go closer to the falls um they get out of the house carl figures out that they can weigh down the house and uh, they decide to walk the house to paradise falls they're walking for a little bit then we see three dogs chasing a creature the dogs then hear a high-pitched noise and they run off the noise turns out to be carl's hearing aid russell is complaining about how he needs to go to the bathroom and all of this carl finally relents lets him go to the bathroom where russell sees tracks he follows the tracks finds what he thinks is a snipe we actually don't ever find out what kind of bird it actually is but it is the same kind of bird that charles months has been searching for for the past 60 years so uh they the bird follows them because russell keeps giving it chocolate they hear somebody ask if they're okay carl thinks it's a person turns out that it's doug the dog yeah Um, he's walking through the fog and he's like calling out to this person and he sees the person standing there but it just happens to be a rock that like two rocks that are standing straight up that look like a person yeah (laughs) okay then they find out that it's doug doug has this special collar his master made him that helps him talk um all the dogs have one we find out whenever uh the other dogs are talking it's alpha and these two other dogs i can't remember their names are talking to doug um they want kevin doug says kevin's his prisoner also i don't know if i've mentioned it but kevin is what russell decided to call the bird so the other three dogs show up they ask where the bird is doug is like oh right i don't actually have the bird anymore so they decide they're going to take carl and russell to their master um in the midst of all this carl finds out that russell's dad is not around and his stepmom's pretty mean which is a pretty it's a staple of disney a mean stepmom the evil stepmom she doesn't actually make an appearance but she's mentioned evil stepmom um so the dogs take them to their master who turns out to be charles Muntz. carl fangirls over him yeah (laughs) um you find out Muntz is after the bird carl puts two and two together and he's like i'm not gonna say anything about this russell is like oh hey that looks like kevin it's like who's kevin my pet bird what yeah it completely dimes out like carl's trying to keep everything um you know under wraps because he's like i don't want this guy to figure out we've even seen this bird yeah because and- he rightly discerns that this guy could be trouble he could like 
hurt right. them. And, you know, the um, what's his name? Little boy? Russell. Russell. Terrible with names. Russell is just being innocent little boy. You know, it's not his fault. So, yeah. yeah. He doesn't understand the nuances of adult conversation. Uh, but before this, whenever they were, like, camping out on the way two months, Russell made Carl pretend or promise to protect Kevin. He made him cross his heart, which is what Ellie always did. She would always make Carl cross his heart. So it kind of um, softened him to Russell a little bit. But once Russell spills the beans about Kevin uh, and Munts realizes that they've seen this bird, he literally threatens their lives. He... Yeah, he turns like straight psychopath after that. Yeah, it's veiled, but he threatens to kill them. Um... So, he gets distracted because he sees the bird outside. Carl and Russell run away. They run out of the blimp. Um, and Munts sticks all of his dogs on them. Um, Alpha tries to, um, like, Alpha's the main one, like, in the lead. Doug tries to... To distract Alpha, Alpha grabs him by the throat and throws him off a cliff. He is somehow unscathed. Um, I don't know, maybe the magic of being a dog? <laughs> so, Kevin, Carl, Russell, and Doug all manage to escape the dogs. Um, but Kevin is hurt. They end up taking Kevin home. Because she can't get home on her own. Also, Kevin is a female bird who has babies. So she's got to get back to her nest. Um, Russell dogs Carl into taking Kevin home. They take Kevin home. Right before Kevin's about to go into her nest, Munts shows up, traps Kevin, and sets fire to Carl's house. Um... Uh, Carl puts the fire out. Russell's like, we have to save Kevin. Carl basically yells at Russell um, and Doug. Tries to get Doug to leave. Russell gives him back his, or gives Carl his wilderness explorer sash. Decides he's going to go after um, Kevin. He steals some balloons. He's going to go after Kevin, go to the blimp. Carl, what? That's when Carl has that turning point, right? Yeah, Carl finds Ellie's book and he's looking through it and um, it's her adventure book. And then at the back of the adventure book uh, is all the pictures of the two of them. It's the pictures from their wedding and their honeymoon and working together and just their life together. And the last thing that she wrote in it was, thanks for the adventure, now go have one of your own. And let me tell you, right there. Yeah. I cried again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Carl decides he's going to go and help Russell. In the meantime, Russell has gotten into the blimp. He has balloons and a leaf blower. He's made his way into the blimp. The dogs capture Russell. He gets tied to a chair and months straight up tries to murder this kid. Like he leaves him in the uh, whatever it is, the part, the door um, and then he starts to lower the door. 
They're at a cruising altitude. This child will fall to his death, and Muntz does not care. He is not a good role model. He's just, he's completely insane. Like <laughs> He really is. So Carl sneaks in. He finds Kevin. Uh, he distracts the dogs with the ball, a tennis ball on the bottom of his walker. Uh, then he locks them out of the room. Russell doesn't die, which is good. Uh, Carl saves him. Carl and Munt's face off. Doug accidentally flips the blimp. A bunch of action happens. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But um, Carl ends up losing his house. It, like, falls off of the blimp with Munt's in it. So Munt's presumably falls to his death. Yeah, there's a lot of death in this movie that I realized. Yeah. Like, um, you know, of course you've got Ellie that dies first of natural causes. Um, and then a lot of dogs die. Yeah, Munts does say he lost a lot of dogs yeah. trying and to get the bird. You watch a lot of them, like, you know, fall, fall into the to river. Their death. Yeah, fall to their death. But still in the swimming. next scene, it does show them in the blimp and they're wet. So oh, okay. presumably they did live. I just assumed they were dead. Because it was a pretty long, long fall. Yeah. But falling to the falling to someone's death is actually a fairly common way for Disney to kill off someone. Gaston falls to his death in Beauty and the Beast. That's true. Clayton falls and then is hung or hanged. However, that's grammatically correct. I think it's hanged. I've heard it's both hanged, ways. Um, by some vines in Tarzan. I can't think of any more right now, but I'm sure that there are other falling to your death deaths in Disney. Because it's it's an easy way to kill someone. You won't have to draw them in the frame anymore. And it's not gruesome. So, months dies. I can't think of any other ways people have died in Disney movies. But he dies. Carl loses his house. But he gets Kevin home. And then he and Russell go home. Russell gets his assisting the elderly badge. Yay. And it is pinned on by Carl. And then he and Carl go and do what he and his dad used to do. He's basically a stand-in dad for Carl at this point. So it's both, it's heartwarming in this way that Carl has made a new connection. He Because Ellie was the only person that he ever connected with that we saw. And I think we're supposed to believe that because we'll get into that in the review. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the way the movie ends. Carl's a stand-in dad for Kevin, or for C- Russell. Kevin is back home with her babies. All is well with the world. The end. And right, now we're well. going to take a quick break. Yep, uh, we'll be back in just a minute. All right, welcome back to Millennial Movie Minute. Uh, we just got done covering up, and now we're moving on to Incredibles 2. Christian, you got some uh, facts on the yeah, movie? Incredi- you want me to give them? Or? Um, I'll go ahead. Okay. Incredibles 2 is the newest movie on our bracket. It's actually the most recent Disney Pixar release, I believe. Uh, it was released June 15th of last year, 2018. It grossed... billion dollars. Jeez. And has a 93% Rotten Tomatoes rating, which is not the highest 
that it gets. Um, there are actually two Disney Pixar movies that have 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating, being Toy Story and Toy Story 2. And Up, as we said earlier, had a 98% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So as, as far as that goes, Up is the winner here. Um, if you go by Rotten Tomatoes ratings, Up wins. But if you go by box office gross... But- Incredibles, Incredibles 2 wins. Twice so, as much, almost. Or, yeah, yeah it but it did much. come out nine years after. Um, so that could have something to do with it. Inflation and such, I guess. I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm so, not an eco- uh, econ- economist. Economist, yeah. That, I can't even say it, so you know I'm not an economist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're going to let Blake do a recap really quick, and then we'll just decide for ourselves... Which one really takes the cake? Which one's the best of the two? Yeah, we're going to see how really quick goes because this movie is so long and there's so much action in it. It's crazy. Like when I was typing out the notes for this, um, we had to keep pausing it because one, I'm a slow typer and two, it just back to back action. So uh, here we go. Let's jump right into it. All right. So starting out, you're in an interrogation room with a teenage boy and an a detective, um, Dickers, right? Yeah. All right. So, and, um, Dickers is asking this boy, I think his name's Tony, mm-hmm. um, about Violet. And basically there's a cut scene that goes to, uh, this fight scene in the parking lot of the high school. And, uh, there's this, um, huge drill vehicle that comes out of the ground and there's this mole guy. He's the underminer. I, I love the clever names they have um, with these. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so he pops up. And, of course, the Incredibles are there to fight the action. Um, you have Violet there. And she actually gets her her masks knocked off somehow, right? Her, masks, her mask comes off. And that's when the boy sees her. And then he freaks out and runs away. Um and then, like, as the boy's recapping and, uh, you know, telling him what happened in the parking lot and how he knows Violet, <laughs> uh, Detective Dickers is, like, getting this big laser thing ready. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, just, just kind of, like, halfway listening. And he erases the boy's memory. Um, so then it cuts back to the fight scene that happened earlier. Um, and Mr. Incredible follows the Underminer underground. Uh, after the underminer blows up the foundation of the bank to suck up money into his giant money vacuum that comes out of his uh, drill vehicle. So, um, you know, he sucks up all the money and escapes. And uh, then he sets the, the drill vehicle, like, just running rampant on his own. So the Incredibles have to, you know, stop that so the mole guy gets away um so it comes back up up on the city road um and it starts to wreak havoc on the city and it starts to knock over a monorail and then in comes frozone um and saves the monorail and basically they're just fighting and fighting until finally they stop it like just short of the courthouse and um then as soon as they stop it, they're like, phew, we're done. And <laughs> there's like a squad of policemen pointing guns at them saying, freeze, supers. 
Um, so anyway, they uh, they get drugged into a police precinct and they're being grilled like uh, they're being told they shouldn't have done anything. They should have just stood by. That insurance would have taken care of everything, and you know blah blah. blah. So um, that later that night, they're uh, the Incredibles are in their house eating dinner and uh, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl start arguing about you know what they should do. Mr. Incredible has the view that you know even though it's a, illegal they should be fighting crime and they should be trying to help the public and Elastigirl just wants to forget about it and um, you know just follow the law because she's, she doesn't want to break the law. So, you know, you can see, you can side with both people, but they're very strongly opinionated on their, on their opinion. So, um, later they're discussing, uh, what they should do next because their, their program or whatever they were in gets shut down and, uh, Lucius finds them. That's, that's Frozone. Um, he's, he tells them he's going to this entrepreneur that's, uh, the leader or the CEO of DevTech, which is like the biggest communications company um, and basically at DevTech uh, they meet what's his name Win- Winston Winston Dever Winston Dever and uh, Ab- Evelyn Dever mm-hmm. and uh, Winston's kind of the face of this company and Evelyn's like the backbone she does she's like the architecture and she designs the technology so she's you know kind of in the background just like help making everything work um, so they have a dialogue and everything, and basically, um, Winston Dever, right? <laughs> I'm terrible with names. Winston Dever just tells them, hey, we need to give you guys body cams. He doesn't say that exactly, but, you know, basically that is, that's what it is. So that the public can perceive you as, you know, you know, doing the right thing. Because it's all about perception. Um... So next, um, he's he has to pick one of them to, to try out this new gear and uh, release the release the videos and stuff to the public. So he picks Elastigirl, and at this, Mister Incredible is kind of offended, and he's kind of acting like a jerk after that. Um, he's saying, you know, I'm better than than Elastigirl, and um, that I that he should be the one. That, that does this thing and you know they come to an agreement it ends up being Elastigirl so she gets this um, this body cam technology and they get put up in a swanky house owned by the the, uh, the CEO and Elastigirl gets a new suit and a motorcycle um, so Elastigirl ends up staking out a hover train opening while Mr. Incredible struggles at home taking care of the kids because he's He's staying there, taking care of the home, and she's out, you know, doing work. So, um, at this stakeout, the train ends up going the wrong direction. Elastigirl chases down the train on a motorcycle and even answers a phone call from Dash while navigating traffic, really um, highlighting how versatile she is as a mother mother and a superhero. Um, she eventually stops the train and finds out the culprit was the screen slaver. They hack the train and put the driver in a state of hypnosis from the screen. Um, back at home, I think it was the first night, right? Yeah. The first night that Mr. Incredible's home with the kids, he finds out that Jack-Jack has powers, 
and it's not just like just one power it's a lot of powers and that's where the scene comes in where he fights a raccoon it's super adorable um, <laughs> um then um Elastigirl calls Mr. Incredible to see how things are going the next day and he's about to tell her that Jack has powers and she assumes she is, she assumes things are going awry and starts to come home before she's told about the powers. So Mr. I uh, Mr. Incredible gets um like kind of defensive and decides to lie about everything that's going on like everything's going great. Oh, and um the first night Violet got stood up on her date because uh, with Tony they set up a date because um, Tony doesn't remember he got his memory erased so she's dealing with this Jack Jack has powers uh, Mr. Mr. Incredible is just struggling right now um, okay so what happens next Elastigirl tells Mr. Incredible about saving the train, and she's super excited about it, but Mr. Incredible is clearly not. He's really jealous and begrudgingly just tells her through gritted teeth, Oh, great job on your first day. You know, that kind of thing. Super fake. Um, she then goes for an interview, and Screenslaver takes over the broadcast and actually warns her of his next move, which I thought was kind of, you know. Um, she saves the ambassador from a hijacked helicopter. It was hijacked by, by Screenslaver. Um, back at home, this, this movie goes back and forth a lot. Um, you know, home and out fighting crime. Um, Violet finds out the Dickers is the one who erased Tony's memory and then she gets super angry. Um, <laughs> to make up for it, Mr. Incredible gets this great idea to take um, the whole family uh, minus Elastigirl to a diner where Tony works for his parents part time and uh, Violet chokes on her water gets super embarrassed and uh, Mr. Incredible realizes that was a bad idea <laughs> um, so Elastigirl sets up another interview with the anchor and she's at, and as she suspected Screenslaver interrupts and she tracks down the signal um but she's her interview is like a telephone interview so Screenslaver doesn't know where she's at so um, she tracks the signal down to this apartment with like a million antennas on top of it and wires hanging out of it um, and she investigates these machines and hypnosis stuff and there's train blueprints so it's obviously the Screenslaver's hideout um, she finds Screenslaver like he pops out of nowhere and like they fight and um, um, after they fight of course Elastigirl defeats Screenslaver um, they drop to the ground where the police are and they take off Screenslaver's mask and it's just this guy like what what happened where am I and <laughs> he doesn't have any idea what just happened so um Back to the homestead, um, Mr. Incredible is like losing his mind. <laughs> so they call Lucius to come help him. Um, or they call Lucius to come help with the, with the older kids. So that Mr. Incredible can take Jack-Jack to Edna, where uh, 
she ends up babysitting and makes him a suit um, for all his powers. He's got like laser eyes. Uh, he can multiply. He can pretty much do anything. He's right? a jack of all trades. Right. Yep. And there's the the Jack name. But that was pretty pretty clever. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Elastigirl is then she's at a party and she gets tricked by Evelyn Dever. She, well, she's at a party celebrating the fact that she took down a screen slaver. She tells Evelyn that she doesn't think that that guy was actually the screen slaver. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. then Evelyn was like, you're right. Put a mask over her eyes because Evelyn was the screen slaver. And she dum, dum, hypnotizes Elastigirl. Yeah. That was, a, that was a big twist. I kind of suspected the brother, but I was wrong. So, um... They discuss things while Elastigirl's tied up. Um, Mr. Incredible gets a handle on Jack-Jack's powers. And then Evelyn calls him saying, Elastigirl's in trouble. And he calls Lucius to babysit the children once again while he goes to help Helen, his, his, uh, his wife, Elastigirl. So Lucius arrives to the house after um, all these other... Supers show up to the house with the screenslaver goggles on. They can they control their minds, and the they're trying to kidnap the kids. And Lucius like steps in. He's like, "Uh, we're good. Y'all can leave now. Okay, bye bye." And closes, tries to close the door. Anyway, they fight. Um, in the midst of all this, um, Dash summons the Incredible, and uh, like. It's far away. It's, it's some someone bought it on an auction, and um, it gets there towards the middle of the fight, and um, Lucius, you know, gets the kids in the car and then sets their voice to it so they can control it, and then um, he is overtaken by those cronies, whatever you want to call them, um, just other supers, and they put the goggles on him, so he starts to attack the kids and try to kidnap them. But luckily, by that time, he anticipated that. So um, they're in the car, and they're off. They're safe. Um, on, the, on the way down the street, they're talking amongst, amongst themselves, and they realize that they are the ones, they're the only ones that can help their parents and Lucius um, and stop the screenslaver. So... Um, <clears throat> Mr. Incredible shows up to uh, where Helen is supposed to be. Mr. Or, um, Elastigirl. Elastigirl. I keep calling her Helen now. What's uh, your name? Yeah. But I don't even know Mr. Incredible. Robert. Robert? Okay. Robert Bob. and Helen. <laughs> so, Mr. Incredible shows up to Elastigirl. And, of course, Elastigirl fights Mr. Incredible while she's under screenslaver's control. And he ends up trapped as well. And uh, they are about to go to um, a signing for the law. Yeah, to change the law. Change the law. So supers are legal because they were illegal. Um, and that's where Screenslayer is going to enact her master plan and makes supers look really scary. Um, so that, that's where the kids are headed. Um, not sure exactly how they know 
that's where they're going? Well, he heard, or Violet heard Mr. Incredible say that he was going to the to the ship, the DevTech ship, whenever he called Lucius. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Because Violet's attentive, unlike me. Um, yeah. So, they there's a big fight on the ship. Um, a lot of clever fighting and you know, plot twists happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of the grown-up supers are trying to stop the kids. Right. Oh, Jack-Jack uh, ends up fighting his, his mother, but he doesn't... Well, he doesn't fight her. He right. sees her and he floats his way over to her. And right. she, like, catches him. And she's under the, you know, screensaver's control. Yeah, but he notices that her mask is different. He doesn't like it. So he, like, telepathically moves it off her eyes, which breaks the trance. Right. And that's when she's like, oh, crap. And she takes it off. And she starts to help the kids get the masks off the other, su- the, the all, all the supers. Yeah. And, um... They break boat stuff. Um. <laughs> yeah, the boat is going to crash into the city because the oh, yeah, hypnotized yeah. supers have, like, set it on this course and then broken everything. Right. So it's on a crash course with the city. And much like the very beginning of the movie, um, <laughs> Brozone saves the day. Brozone stops the ship with his ice. Just like he stopped. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> Mr. Incredible goes down and turns the rudder underwater while Brozone is above water using ice to break off one of the thingies. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's like a leg thing. But he does create a lot of snow to keep the ship from hitting the city. Right. Or destroying anything in the city. Um, And, like, Helen's trying to get away, or Evelyn's trying to get away, and Helen captures her. Yeah. Well, then, um, after after all that, there's a judge. It's in a courtroom. A judge declares all supers legal again, which I felt like was kind of redundant because they already signed the paper that said they were legal. But anyway, um, I guess they had to make it yeah, official like, with yeah, the out evil not people. Judges. Right. Um, so the family picks up Tony, which is the the teenage boy from the beginning of the movie. They pick up Tony for the movies, and uh, they see a robbery taking place. So they just drop him there at the theater, and Violet's like. I'll be back in a minute, I swear. And they, you know, they take off down the street doing their, you know, crime fighting thing. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up um, Cuttables 2. We're going to take a short break, and once we get back, we'll do the review segment. Yeah, so look forward to that. See you in a minute. Alright, we're back. This is the third segment of our show. We've done the recap of um, Up and Incredibles 2. And now we're going to do kind of a review portion. Yeah, so uh, we'll review Up first and share our thoughts and feelings on the movie. Then we'll review Incredibles 2, um, share our thoughts and feelings, and then we'll give them each... Uh, we'll rate them all, wait, rate them both on the triple M scale, one out of five, or one two five, sorry. And um, whichever gets the highest cumulative score, that's the one that's moving on. So let's see what's going on. All right. So since we did up first, you want to pull up your notes on up? Yes. And, uh, we'll um, discuss that one. 
first, I have in all caps on my notes that this is the saddest movie ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can't handle it sometimes. It's yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of feels. Yeah. Especially because me and you were married, and I just I couldn't imagine losing you. And that's where it just kind of hits me right in the gut, you know? <sighs> the part that hits me in the gut the most is their struggle with infertility. Yeah. Because... I could not imagine a life without our kids. And they were so excited for having a baby, and then they can't have a baby. And that just... I'm going to start crying, so we're going to move on. All right, moving on. (laughs) Um, But in that same vein, I also have in my notes, where are the parents? You see child Carl. You see child Ellie. Child Ellie is is hanging out in an abandoned, dilapidated house. Yeah. They showed the parents at the wedding. Okay, so, like, both sets? I didn't notice that. Yeah. They show both sides of the family. Like, Ellie's side of the family is, like, hooping and hollering, and then his side of the family is, like, dark suits, serious faces, and they're, like, barely clapping whenever they kiss. Yeah. When they're married. Yeah. It's a quick scene, but it just shows their family for a moment. I mean, I guess it makes sense that kids roam to the streets on their own in the 30s. Was this in the 30s? When they're kids. Okay, so Carl is 78. Uh-huh. Um, after Ellie dies and through the majority of the movie. He's 78 years old. The movie is set in 2009, mm-hmm. which means, I guess maybe it's the 40s? Two, two plus three minus four is quick mouse. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um... <laughs> So, was it 2009? 2009, and he's 78, so he was born in 1931. Okay. So, it's like late 30s, early 40s, beginning of the film, whenever they're kids. I think my papa was born in 1930-something. Yeah? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I think you're right, because my papa was born in 1943, and your papa was like 10 years older than him. That's nuts. Wow. Anyway... (laughs) Um, do you want to share some of your thoughts and feelings on Up before I start ranting? Man. You know, plenty of thoughts, but even more feelings. Um, it, I can kind of, I don't know, it's, (laughs) I just cry every time. I cry every time. It is the saddest, it is definitely the saddest Disney Pixar movie. Yeah. And the only one with blood. So that's there's that too. Yeah. Um although Disney Pixar really can really get to me. Like there are several movies on this bracket that I'm gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Toy Story Three. Yeah, Finding Dory. I'm cry. Finding oh Dory, gosh. I cry. Um uh, Ratatouille. Honestly, I cry. Mm-hmm. In Ratatouille. I think we're just big um, crybabies. <laughs> oh, I'm a huge crybaby. Brave cry every single time I watch that one. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I just, I, I think it's a great movie. I think Up is a great movie. Um, Inside Out, I cry in the first 30 seconds of that movie. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, getting back to Up, one yeah. of the things that struck me was how quickly he was able, this 78-year-old man was able to fill <laughs> 2 million balloons yeah. with helium. First of all, where'd he get all that helium? From, Secondly, from the uh, bottles. 
Okay, how did he buy it all? Helium's expensive. He's like 78 million years old. He's got some money somewhere. Well, you would think, except no, he doesn't because they have to keep getting into their Paradise Falls fund for emergencies. So clearly he doesn't have any savings. But they were trying to offer him triple for his house and then he was forced to move out. So he's got to sell his property. So maybe he got the money from that. Okay, but he wouldn't have cashed the check that quickly. That's not how banks work. Yeah. I don't know. Gas isn't that expensive. Helium is that expensive. It's like $17 a a tank. Like a big tank? I don't know. I don't don't like helium. It's expensive. (laughs) But, okay, how did he afford it is one thing, but how did he do it physically? How did physically this almost 80-year-old man fill two million balloons and convert his roof into a retractable roof overnight. A set, yeah, you're right. But he's also very spry in the movie. He's in a lot of fight scenes. He's doing a lot of like pull-ups and things that 80-year-old men should not do. That's true. <laughs> um, here's a fun fact. The guy who plays Doug, the uh-huh. dog, also plays Alpha and is the guy who wrote the movie. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. He wrote himself in as two dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think he wrote himself in. They probably just needed a voice actor. Yeah. Um, Disney Pixar was having trouble finding voice actors. (laughs) Well, they don't use Tara Strong, so... Or Tom Kenny. (laughs) That right there is 90% of voice acting. Okay? You get rid of Tara Strong and Tom Kenny, and you're you're looking for somebody. Because... They do 90% of cartoon voices. Pretty much. Have you seen a graphic of them with like with their cartoon characters around them? Yes, it's so crowded. Yeah. So crowded. Too many characters. But the thing is, they are Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network actors. So mm-hmm. they don't do any Disney work. Hmm. Hating on Disney, huh? Well, competing networks. Yeah. Um, You know, another thing that got me. Russell's absentee dad. Yeah. Hate that. Yeah, I know. That just, like, bad parents just get me, you know? Mm -hmm. And his mom, like, you see his mom in the badge pinning ceremony, and she's just, like, beaming with pride. And you can tell, like, she's this working mom, and she's doing everything she can for her kid. And his dad has nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. But she, like, even for this, like, you only see her for a split second, but it's still, like, that just gets me. Yeah. Another note that I have, mm-hmm. when Kevin gets captured, Russell blames Carl. But it's Russell's fault. Wait. Kevin wouldn't have gotten captured if Russell had just kept his mouth shut. Well, you know, he's a little boy. He's like, you know, he doesn't really know what's going on anyway, so. Maybe he should. Okay. Also, how did he hide under the porch and then was somehow on the porch when the porch separated from underneath the porch. Wouldn't he have been left on the ground? Because Disney, babe. Disney. Yeah. That's yeah. why. Disney's magical. He and Disney magically teleported him from the bottom of the porch to the top of the porch. Okay, well, I can go on a rant about a lot of things that don't make sense in this movie, but I'm going to let you share some thoughts, and then we'll just move on to Incredibles 2. Yeah, well, okay, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of fighting, a lot of dying, and 
a lot of crying. So, yeah, that's my thoughts, really. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, Charles Muntz is, like, in a lot... He is in shape yeah. for a 90-something-year-old dude. Yeah, I mean, if I was in a cave for 80 years or whatever... <laughs> I'd probably just be dead. <laughs> it, probably, it probably was like 70 years. I mean, I want to say Carl and Ellie were probably like 8 years old whenever they met. Yeah. He's 78 years old whenever he finally gets there. So, months has got to be like 95 at least. Yeah. This dude is is coming up on 100 years old and he literally sword fights a guy. A guy? The kid? Yeah, a guy <laughs> 20 years his junior. Like, we don't know exactly how old Carl or Charles is. We know how old Carl is. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly how old Charles is, but we know there's at least 20 years between the two of them. Right. Anyway, um, you want to go ahead and rate this one or rank it or whatever? Yeah. And then we'll move on to Incredibles 2? Uh, I got to give it a solid eight just for the feels. Um, it's kind of a... Uh, like a surface it's not really like a super deep story mm-hmm. but i mean it just it really hits me in the feels so eight. yeah um i also would have to give it an eight and honestly i would totally love a prequel where we just get to see carl and ellie's life together that would be awesome and it's not compressed into five minutes and it's not depressing and they're just like doing their thing and... yeah i mean the end of it would have to end with her dying <sighs> Um, because she dies. She already died. She we know die she again. dies. But I would love to see more of their life together. Because honestly, that is that is what I love about the movie. It's the Carl and Ellie aspect of it. Yeah. And how much he loves his wife and how dedicated he is to her. Yeah. Because that's what, that's what everybody wants. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we have. Yeah. 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 So, um, <laughs> and that's another reason I'm going to give it an 8. Because... When I watched this movie, I'm both taken back to the first time I saw it, and I was, uh, it was actually for a movie night, my freshman year of college, they held a movie night for for everybody, and it was, you know, all of these, like, everybody on campus was sitting there crying, but I'm also reminded of our relationship, and, like, it takes me to the future, and it makes me think about losing you, which is super, <laughs> I just, I can't handle that. Um, We're going out notebook style, babe. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, solid eight. Yeah. All right. So, 16 cumulative. Uh, what did you think about Incredibles 2? Well, let me get my handy-dandy notebook like I'm in Blue's Clues. Now, for our listeners, we're not rating these films as, um, you know, their, their sequels or anything. Yeah, or... not as how they tie into the previous or following films but they are standalone films right so we're just putting them against each other just uh fair and square it's not there's no uh tag teaming of films so um what'd you think about incredibles 2 okay so my first note that i have Mm -hmm. and i believe that you had this same note why does violet have bags under her eyes i don't know and they go away half of the film she's 14 going on 40 right but like Okay, I noticed this. Um, she's got them under her eyes, which makes me think, oh, well, maybe there's more to that story. Like, she's been staying up with Jack-Jack, and she's doing a lot of babysitting, you know, and she's just exhausted. But, like, where they go to the diner and to see Tony, they're gone. Concealer, babe. Concealer? Yeah. 
But why wouldn't she be wearing concealer at high school when, when Tony asked her out? If she's, she's going to wear concealer. I don't know. She's like Wednesday Adams. If Wednesday Adams were put into a normal family and forced to wear pink. Um, okay, so another note that I... Um, well, I think we just think too deeply about these kind of things. We probably do. I mean, it's like when I watch PJ Masks and I wonder, how did they get the money for all of that stuff? How did they turn into pure energy? Do their parents know? Did the moms know that this was going to happen when they bought those pajamas? Were they like, hmm, this going to turn my kids into a pure energy substance and then they're going to become superheroes? Also, what time is it? Anyway, this is... <laughs> do they turn it from day to night, or do they just wait until the nighttime to take care of the bad guys? But it's daytime sometimes when they're fighting bad guys. No, it's always nighttime. Like, it's daytime whenever they find out about the bad guys, and then they're like, we're just going to wait till nighttime, and then we'll take care of this. <laughs> this has become... Okay, listeners, we've decided to take another path. We're going to do a PJ Mask rant podcast from now on. <laughs> I could rant about PJ Masks for a while. Like... How do their parents not notice that all of these children are missing from their beds? And how do they just glaze over the fact that Luna Girl is an orphan? <laughs> You're demonizing her when she's literally just trying to live her life. You know who raised her? Moths. You can't expect her to have good morals or manners. She was literally raised by insects. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <sighs> all right. And honestly, I'm just saying, Connor and Amaya are brats. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Incredibles 2. <laughs> Not PJ Masks. You know what else I was wondering about Incredibles 2? Huh. So, there's this move that Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible do where she stretches out and becomes like a trampoline. Right. How painful must that be? She stretches. Do you know how that's... bad it hurts me when the kids jump on me? And they are definitely not Mr. Incredible. Yeah, well, you're not Elastigirl. No, I am not. I would not have all these stretch marks. Because <laughs> she doesn't have stretch marks because she's just stretched. Does she not have bones? I don't know. I would think not. I don't know. Also, childbirth must have been a breeze. Yeah. Just pop them right out, literally. Anyway. This also... This um, is going too far. Yeah. <laughs> John Ratzenberger is in every single Disney Pixar film. Who's that? He plays the underminer in this film. He also plays mm. Ham in the Toy Story films. Oh. He's the Yeti in the Monsters Inc. In yes. Monsters Inc. He's in. He's literally in every single Pixar film. Mm. This is the only one that I can think of where he plays the villain. Wow. He's only in it for like a short period of time. Well, he's right? always only in it for a short period of time, except Toy Story, where he plays a you know more pivotal role. He plays Ham. Right. I'm pretty sure it's Ham that he plays. Um, I was watching the film and they're doing the monorail and I was like, did they even have monorails in the 60s? And turns out they did. Hmm. The first monorail was in England in 1824. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. They did not have hover trains though. Or if they did, then I've never heard of it in the 60s. Yeah. Um, I don't even think hover trains are really a huge thing now. Like they seem like super expensive. I don't to know. make. Hmm. That's um, something I looked up. You want to share some thoughts before I keep rambling on? Yeah. Um, can I just say Frozone is really 
BA in this movie? You know, Frozone actually says one of my favorite lines. Huh. It was in my notes. Um, when uh, he comes up to Helen and Bob at the motel, and they're like, hey, where'd you go? You missed all the fun. And he's like, hey, calm down. I'm just as uh, just as illegal as you guys. And I was like, that's a poignant thing coming from a black man in the 60s. Right. Well, um, but he also goes on to say, like, I know when to leave a party. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, you know, he was smart about it. They should have left before anyway. They just stood there and like, good job, everybody. Oh, wait, <laughs> we're going to get caught now. <laughs> like at that point in the movie I didn't know that supers were illegal but um, after I found out I'm like why were they just standing there have you not seen the first one yeah but it's been a long time we're, we're, we'll see it later Good yeah night. that's true Disney has a lot of one liners that I really love like um, in Up when Ellie says kid Ellie she says that she wants to go to South America she's like it's like America but South yeah <laughs> So simple and cute. I love it. I love it. Do you have uh, Do you have any more uh, thoughts you want to share? When Evelyn first came in, like the first time we see Evelyn, mm-hmm. my first thought was, if this were live action, that would be Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I can now, see that. Yeah, I, I just can't. Yeah, I just can't unsee it. You know. Right. Um, I definitely thought that. Mr. Incredible, or Bob, yeah. whatever you want to call him, he's super so, self-centered. Such a misogynist, too. Yeah, he really is. Which is, I mean, like, I get that it's the 60s, but, like, dude, that's your wife. Like, you should want her to succeed. He says, go do a good job so I can do it better. Yeah, that's that, like, that was, like, really yeah. distasteful to me. Like, you douchebag. I guess that's the character, but I feel like if I were writing it, I wouldn't write that in. That would just, that's just unnecessary. Why yeah. would you do that? And like, it's hard enough for her to be away from her baby. You don't have to make her feel like she's going to fail on top of it. Right. Get in her head and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's, that's not necessary. She's I didn't been, like that part. She's been taking care of the home and their family for the past 15 years. Yeah. And. Well, I think part of it, maybe they put that in there. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. Uh, maybe they put that in there because um, he doesn't realize how hard she's been working. And he's like, yeah, I'll take care of the kids while you go fight. I'll be fine. And then that's when he finds out, oh, crap, it really is hard to stay home. Yeah. No, I think you're definitely right because um, a lot of dads, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, I've been a working mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom. Being a stay-at-home mom is harder yeah. Than being a working mom. Because yeah. when you're at work, you've got one thing to worry about, and that's your work. Your work's cut out for you. Yeah. Your work's not always cut out for you when you're at home. No, it is not. <laughs> and you're dealing with kids and their fights, and especially with a baby. Jack-Jack's like a year old. Yeah. And then her first thought after taking down the main villain, Evelyn, Evelyn, whatever... Her first thought after saving the city and everything is, I missed Jack-Jack's first power. Yeah. It's not about what a great job she just did. The fact that she just saved the city, possibly the world, from this person. Mm-hmm. It's about how she missed out on something with her son. 
Yeah. And they kind of play it down, but, you know. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's you know. Deal. Yeah, it's gut-wrenching to miss something pivotal in your child's life. Right. I mean, our son took his first steps while you were at work. Yeah. And I can only imagine how much, like, that hurts. Yeah. It's all right. Adult life. Yeah. <laughs> so what what would be the rating you would give for this one? I gave mine first last time, so you... Hmm. I do really love it. I really love Elastigirl. She is, um, I think, my Disney spirit animal. Okay. I think she's the perfect analogy for motherhood. Yeah. That's um, true. But I don't like Mr. Incredible. I think he's kind of douchey in this film. And so I'm going to have to go with a seven, I think. Mm. Um, I know I had said before, whenever we were just discussing the films, that I was probably going to rate this one higher than up because Russell gets on my nerves. Mm-hmm. But Up makes me feel more things. Right. And I am always here for something that gets into my emotions. No matter what the emotion is, if you can make me feel some kind of way, angry, sad, scared, like, I don't care, that's the thing that I'm going to be after. Mm-hmm. That's why I love scary movies. Because, you know, I can be terrified through the whole film, and nine times out of ten, it's got a really sad ending. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to agree with you with the seven. I'll give Incredibles two a seven as well. So it's a fourteen cumulative. That means that up, up. is moving on in the bracket. Yay. Yay! Do we have to watch up again? Yes, we do. I'm gonna cry again. That's okay. It's um, not that bad. Yeah, except it is. My nose is still stuffy. So, <laughs> uh, join us again next week when yeah. we will be reviewing Toy Story 2 and Wally. Yes, I love Wally. Can't wait. Uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, Millennial Movie Minute. Follow us on Twitter at Millennial Movie One. Yeah, Millennial Movi One. I tried to change it to movie and it didn't it didn't work. I just left it. Okay, can you spell that out? M I L L E N N I A L M O V I number one. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> You'll be able to find the bracket posted on both of those. And if you want a shout out, you want us to give a shout out to someone for you, post it on one of our pages. Tweet yeah. us. Or you can actually leave it directly on Anchor. Um, find us on Anchor FM, Anchor Anchor.fm slash Millennial Movie Minute. Uh, click leave a message. Leave it there. We can uh, we can upload that MP3 into one of our podcasts. Yeah, if you want to hear your own shout out, go for it. Yeah. If you want us to shout out for you, let us know. And if you have any suggestions for any brackets in the future, please let us know. Uh, we'll see you guys. Well, we won't see you. But we'll talk at you later. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, hope you have, you guys have had fun. If not, I'm, I'm very, very sorry. I didn't write these movies. Bye.